Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. So we got up to about verse 9, I think, last week, or 8. I've forgotten. So we'll start at about verse 9, and we'll see where we go from there. If you could pop up verse 9 for me, um, Evan, and we'll start there. It says here, what does Philippians say in verse 4, 9? Let's read it first. It says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So here Paul is referring back to his own life as an example for all of us, or an example to those at Philippi and how they should live in a Christ-like way and in a victorious way, really. The things that he taught them, his personal conduct, the way that he spoke, the words that he used. Paul's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. He's saying, see me as an example as I follow Jesus. Because he's saying, I've kind of found the formula of godly living. I found a way to live and and live with contentment in my spirit, even when I'm going through the trials and the suffering, the persecution, the challenges, the problems that we all face in life. And we all have those things, but Paul really did go through some incredible suffering and trials that we can read about in the the epistles. And as he went through those things, he learned the secret of contentment. And that's what he's saying there. I have learned the secret of contentment. And I want us to, to really be thinking, because he says that's how the peace of God could come upon us. And we talked about the previous verses in verse 6 to 8 last week and talked about anxieties and how we can flip that and have the renewing of our minds and start focusing on things that are good and true and noble and beautiful and lovely and excellent and anything that is praiseworthy, he says. Focus on these things. He says, because that's how the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, can guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. And we all want the peace of God, right? We all want that peace of God to come and guard our hearts. And so it it starts by flipping our mindset not focusing on anxious thoughts and stressful situations and negativity, but coming to him with prayer and supplications and, and, and with thanksgiving. It's a change of heart or a change of mindset and coming to him with that sense of contentment in our spirit. So Paul has learned the secret, he calls it. I've learned the secret of contentment. And so I want us to really think about that as he sets that example for us in the way he lived. Let's go on to verse 10. Verse 10, it says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul knew the church in Philippi really cared for him. He had this awareness that the church loved him and that he had this special connection or relationship with these people. He felt that love and he felt them rejoicing as well. And that's what the church should feel like, Creekside, our little church family. This is what the church should feel like for us too. I want you to think about that for a minute. How would it feel to be like that, to feel the love of God in this place, to feel that strong connection that we could have with each other and that we should rejoice in each other with that deep sense of loving community. And that's one of the reasons why we decided in a couple of weeks' time to have Cafe Church. We do really want to see us become a stronger-knit community of people 
And I look at the church of Philippi here and I'm like really encouraged that it's possible. I see the church there is so full of love and connection and community and that sense of, you know, supporting Paul in the way that they did. They really live, love to do that. And so I want us to think about that as well as we go into that cafe church idea. You know, and I want you to think maybe even after today, going home and see how we at Creekside could be more like the Philippian church. How could we be more like the Philippian church in the way that we love each other, just like the way they loved Paul? Maybe you could do some kind of practical thing for somebody this week. Maybe you could call someone in the fellowship and give them an encouragement. Maybe you could stop and pray with someone before you leave today. Maybe you could write a written word or a text, something of encouragement. Maybe you could invite someone over for dinner this week or for next weekend. Have a think about that before you leave. What could I do to start building a stronger sense of love and connection and fellowship? The way that Paul experienced with the Philippian church. It's possible. And we cast a vision around all of that, but it actually starts by us doing something with that. We have to all take the step and do something, start creating those opportunities. Maybe we could offer somebody who's in need this week to help them. Maybe you could go and visit somebody who needs a visit because they're lonely. It could be something small. It could be something big. It's whatever the Holy Spirit has put on your heart to do. And so I just encourage us to be thinking like the Philippian church in the way that Paul experienced. And Paul rejoiced over the church because he experienced so much love. Do you rejoice over this church? Do you rejoice over your church family? Because you're experiencing love and connection, fellowship. That's what we can have, church. We can have that sense of love and joy and rejoice over each other. Let's move on into Philippians 4, 11 to 12. It says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. There it is. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Remember that what situation Paul was in as he wrote those words. You know, here Paul is assuring the church that love and care for him so deeply that he has everything he needs. He is fully content in every, having all that he needs. He's, he's not trying to get another offering out of them. He's not writing this letter saying, here, send me more stuff. I need more help. Send me more people. Send me. He's saying, no, I have everything I need. I have more than enough. I'm content. What he's saying is the purpose of this letter... The purpose of why he wrote this was, was not to you know, solicit that offering from them. He's content in that. He's, it's, it's content because he's learned contentment. And I don't know about you, but I've learned that I have to learn contentment. Contentment doesn't come very naturally to me. Does it come naturally to you? I think contentment's something you've got to learn. Contentment's something you've got to focus and learn and think about. It's a change of our heart and mindset sometimes to be content because we always want more. We're always striving to have more in our life. But Paul's saying, I'm content. He's saying, I've learned the secret of contentment. 
as though it's something that we have to try and obtain or go after and find it and learn about it. And Paul's done that. He's, and he's demonstrated, I think we can learn from watching Paul's life here around contentment as we see how he, in the midst of his suffering, was able to continue on and be content in times of plenty, in times of need, in times of suffering, he still was content. Isn't that beautiful? He was content. He goes on in verse 4.13. He says, because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Have you all heard that verse before? Does it get quoted a lot, that verse? I don't know, we're all very quiet. Anyone out there? I'm a bit dark out there. Is anyone there? Okay. It's too much sparkle up here. I can't see. Um, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I believe this verse is quoted out of context so often. We see it on the stickers. We see it on the car bumpers. Or you see it on the T-shirts. Or you see it somewhere around the place. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's a famous verse. It's a memory verse. It's one you probably learned in primary school. And it's often quoted on its own and not in context. So let's have a quick look at this statement that's being made here. Another version says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It sounds like an amazing thing, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Ah, who wants to do all things? I want to do all things. Hmm. I can have it all, right, if I believe this verse and claim it. We need to remember this verse comes directly on the heels of Paul talking about contentment in all situations. Remember that. We need to remember that he's saying these words as he's in prison in chains. Remember that. So Paul's saying, I can do all things with Christ who gives me strength in all things that I'm doing. Paul was not condoning the idea of living this Christian walk without disciplines and without suffering or without faithfulness or without the teachings of Christ and without crucifying the flesh and picking up your carrying your cross. He wasn't saying life's going to be easy because you can do all things through Christ. He's saying Christ will be with you as you do all things. He will be with you in all things. Let's not quote that one out of context. Paul is expressing that knowing how to be content in every living condition that you will face, every single thing that you will encounter, to know how to be content in that, he knew the secret of that was through Christ who will give him the strength to be content in all things. You see how that's all in context now. And Paul was able to keep that beautiful attitude of joy and lifting up his eyes above the problems and and living in victory in Christ because he was able to remember his contentment came in all things through Christ. Through Christ. Let's move on in verse 14 to 16. It says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, When I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Paul here is continuing to express his appreciation to the Philippian church 
for the way that they have loved him and supported him in times of need as a, as a, a, a leader of the church and getting out there on the front line and, and out there making a difference, starting the church and spreading the ministry and the gospel. And they supported him and they loved him for that. And he's expressing this, this, this appreciation. But he notes here that they were the only church that they gave. And there were other churches they could have given to Paul on his journeys out, out there. They could have supported him, but they didn't. And Paul is acknowledging them for giving this form of assistance. We just had Mia sharing about the Home of Hope. And as a church here, that we would give assistance, that we would help those out on the front line and we support missionaries and we get out there and try and help as best we can as a church. And I guess the thing that I love about this little verse here, these couple of verses, is that I want us to imagine to ourselves here at Creekside. I want us to imagine us being known out there in the community as a church that is generous and giving and loving other people, other missionaries, other pastors, other churches, a church that would have a reputation just like the Philippians had a reputation. Paul acknowledged that church as the only church that gave and supported him in his, as the leader of the churches back then. What a great reputation. And I would hope that we could have a reputation like that as well. Verse 17, it goes on, says, Not that I desire your gifts. Again, he's making sure that they don't feel like he's soliciting more offerings from them. He's saying, not that I desire gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. In other words, as they give, that they will be blessed. As they give, they would receive their reward in heaven and jewels in their crown. That the Philippian church will be a blessed church as they've shown the nature and the character of God around generosity and giving. We can be a church like that too. And what I desire is more that be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, and they are pleasing to God. This is a way that we can please God, is to be a church like the Philippians. I love how Paul's sharing his heart with the Philippians here and assuring them of his appreciation. Let's go on in verse 19. It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Ah, another, another memory verse. I don't know about you, but I, Philippians is full of memory verses for me. And I recall this, learning this one a long time ago. My God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's another one of those famous verses that gets quoted out of context and given wrong meanings. And the meaning here is the spiritual blessings that would come with that giving spirit. In other words, the generous spirit of the Philippians will result in God providing their spiritual needs, that God will provide the true spiritual riches back to them. In the spirit of Philippians, they would be blessed as God would give them all that they need in Christ Jesus. And this shouldn't be confused with some of the teachings that are around there today. 
you hear about like the prosperity gospel. You put it out there, you name it and you claim it. God will give us all that we have and all that we want and all that we need and we, we want more and more. And That's not what this is saying. God will give us all that we need. He will provide all that we need in Christ. And this should not be confused with that kind of teaching. The riches of Jesus Christ are far beyond money. God's provision in our life is far beyond money. The true spiritual riches are not even talking about money. The spiritual riches is the eternal life we have in Christ. The spiritual riches is the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. The spiritual riches is that we can be content in the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life now and for all eternity. The spiritual riches, these are the things that God has given us and promised us as followers of Jesus Christ. He didn't promise us that we could be wealthy and rich and if we give more, we'll get more and all of this type of thing. God will provide our needs according to his true spiritual riches in Christ Jesus. Does God take care of our needs financially? Yes, if we honour him with our wealth, he promises to take care of our, our financial needs. But I've been in India, I've been in, in Cambodia, I've been in third world Thailand, I've been in, in Sri Lanka in third world parts, I've been in so many different third world countries like this and I've seen the poorest of the poor. I've walked in the slums, I've eaten in the slums, I've sat with the poorest of the poor and I've watched them worship God with joy. I've, I've seen some of them are the happiest people in the world because they worship in the Lord and putting him first is a priority. Has God made them rich and health, wealthy? Has God given them an abundance and more that finances? And no, they're living in the midst of poverty. And yet they're worshiping the Lord with everything they have. And the thing I see here is that God is providing for them all that they need according to the riches of Christ, according to the true spiritual riches. They are content in Christ. They don't have anything of the world. They don't have much of the world at all. And we have so much here. We're in the top 3% of the wealthiest people in the world here in Australia. And I would say that we have more than we need. But that's not what it's talking about. He's talking about the true spiritual riches. My God will meet your needs spiritually. Okay. Now, as we finish up in verse 23, I'm going to jump down there. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now, what I'd like to remind you is last week I shared this last verse with you and we had communion together because it focuses on Paul's final wish for the Philippian church and that the grace of God will be accepted and will be extended. The grace of God will be on you, the grace of Jesus Christ. Paul concludes the letter with this prayer of grace, that the favour of God, the power of God, would shine upon these dear, precious Philippian church, these people who he loved so much. He started this letter in this chapter with proclamations of love and affection to this very special group of Christians. It's a great letter. I'd love you to spend some time and read this letter again. 
We've walked through the letter over these last four or five Sundays. And I want you to just remember this experience of Philippians. Take the example of Paul and start to follow Paul as he followed Christ. Paul zealously followed Christ. Paul gave it all to follow Christ. Paul passionately wrote it down for us in these words. Paul is an amazing example of Jesus Christ for us. If you read that again, let it sink in. He finishes the letter with the main point of it all. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. That's my prayer for you today. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you now. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these words. Thank you that we could walk our way through this book verse by verse and that you've revealed some amazing truth to us. I pray that you will just let those words sink in nice and deep into our hearts and into our minds. And that the word of God is truth. It's like a double-edged sword. And it really does um, cut to the heart and get between bone and marrow. And it's what changes us. And we know that the teaching of God's word results in changed lives. And so we pray that our hearts and lives will be changed. You will do your work. Do your work in us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.